You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to another episode of Honest AF Show with me, Daniela Clark. And me, Barbara Ann Wild. Hello, Miss Barbara Ann Wild. Is this exciting or what? This is very exciting. So we have one of my really, really good friends, which actually she's kind of like, I call her my little cupcake niece. <laughs> <laughs> we have my really good friend, Jennifer Howell here. Jennifer. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Auntie. Of course. I'm so glad. We've been wanting to have you on the show for so long. Um, we're going to get to Jennifer's story in a minute, but first and foremost, let's talk about how we met Jennifer because that was hilarious. <laughs> I, I never knew, I had never met Jennifer before. I've always heard of, so Jennifer is the Jennifer founder is? Yeah. of Art of Elysium, which is an incredible, incredible organization. That, is it an organization? Yes. yes. Okay. Nonprofit organization, 501c3. Yep. <laughs> Super special. It is so incredible and so near and dear to my heart and to Barb's. And we just love everything you do and stand for. Yes. I love um, everything you ladies do and stand for. <laughs> so we'll get to what Art of Elysium, what you, the, all the good work that you do. But first off, so Barb, I don't know. I think you know how we met. I, you have to refresh my memory. Um, okay. So we met through a mutual friend who invited us on a birthday trip. Super fancy on a yacht Is in that Greece. where you first met? <laughs> yes. I didn't know if you knew each other beforehand. Oh, that is where we other. first met. We never knew each other before. I'd always heard of Art of Elysium and I've actually attended a couple of her events. Right. Gilby and I. But I'd never actually met her. So I meet her for the very first time on this trip. And with her cutest Southern accent. Very, <laughs> very cute. And we are basically like roommates on this yacht, this gorgeous, you know, luxury yacht. But my suite is directly across from her suite. And so we spent pretty much the entire trip talking to each other across the hallway while we were in bed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we would both lay in bed at night and just talk to each other um, across the hallway. It was hilarious, but we so had then so I, much and fun. And then my little uh, night I, dance for her. I heard all about it. I think that I may have met you at the same time then because Danielle and I were WhatsApping and she was showing me video of everything that was going on and you made an appearance, but I didn't yeah. know that's when you actually first met. Oh yeah. And she was, she was flossing the whole time. <laughs> yes, I was definitely flossing, but the sleepwalking, that was the best. This, can I tell of the course, sleepwalking yes, I am, story? I, it's completely fine. And <laughs> let me just preface this. I did sleepwalk as a child to the point wow, that my parents getting... had to lock the doors like they had to get deadbolts and chains to keep me inside really? because I so would walk outside a, yes so yeah, it is, is not history. it is not abnormal but this incident I hope and pray was abnormal <laughs> a lot of people haven't told me that it ever happened before so you can go with it do you it. know that sleepwalking is a sign of really high intelligence my brother who's an engineer and he's brilliant oh I sleepwalk all the time no I'm well, just kidding yeah. <laughs> he's, I think he's absolutely brilliant but the sleepwalking my brother used to do it all the time same thing with my parents they had to do the same thing is like make sure the, the house had deadbolts up at the top and everything he would wake up we had a 
Back in the day, we had bread boxes. Do you, did you have oh, yeah, yeah. drawers with yeah. them? And my brother used to like wake up and open the bread box and pee in there because he had to go to the bathroom <laughs> in the middle of the night. There's but- always those stories of guys when they sleepwalk, they pee somewhere. Mark their territory. <laughs> what men do. That Mark their territory. That might be exactly what it is, but interesting. Yeah. So Jennifer <laughs> and I, it was the first night that we were on the yacht and I was like, you know, I don't really know any of these women, you know, and we went with, wait, it was me, you, Tasia, Joyce, Joyce, Sarah. So there was five of us. And, um, I was like, you know, I don't know anybody except for Sarah. I didn't know any of the other girls. And that's what's so great about Sarah. Sarah is the like best friend you could ever ask for. Like she is so good at pulling people together. She's and, a conduit. Yeah, she yeah. is. She is this amazing conduit and yeah. the biggest like pro woman woman ever. Yes. Love that. And <laughs> so she put together this eclectic group of girls. None of us really knew each other beforehand. And I was the whole time I was thinking, oh, God. Are they just going to be, you know, super uptight or, or straight laced? Like, what? who are these girls? Like, I don't know. Are they going to think I'm weird? I don't know. So and you kind of are a captive. You can't really uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't escape. You, you are, Here like, you are a week on a, a yacht in close quarters. What are <laughs> yeah. you going to do? Um, so I was like, wow, I hope they're cool. And immediately I meet them and everybody's super fun. You know, it's Joyce, it's Tasia, it's Jennifer. I mean, everybody's great. So we're just having a blast, like right off the bat, we're laughing our asses off just at the airport. So the first night we all go to sleep. (laughs) We we get to Greece, we check into our uh, yacht and we all get our rooms. And the rooms are like, I mean, this yacht is insane. And the rooms all have automatic doors for the bathrooms. They kind of open. (laughs) I forgot about the automatic door. They kind of open and shut. So when you walk up to go to the bathroom, the door automatically senses you and opens. So we go to sleep that night. I'm fast asleep. All of a sudden I hear something. I hear somebody coming into my room and I was like, what the hell? So I wake up and I look and I see in the dark, this like shadow of a woman and she's walking towards me and I'm thinking, what does she want? And I'm a little bit out of it because I'm sleeping. So I was like, what what is she doing? What does she want? And then I look and I see it's Jennifer. <laughs> you had a little visitor. A yes, little visitor. but my little visit was stark naked, <laughs> and, and it walks in, <laughs> and she goes over to my bathroom, and she's just standing there watching the door open and shut, open and shut, open and shut. And I looked at her, and I was like, "Do I say something? Do I pretend I don't see it? I'm going to pretend I don't see this." That is so. I just close my eyes and go back to sleep. And I think to myself, man, these bitches are wild. (laughs) What the hell's happening here? Well, I did my little shimmy. (laughs) Yeah. I did did my little shimmy. shimmy, And next thing I know, she turns around and she leaves (laughs) and she starts walking down the hallway. And I thought, "Uh oh, we're on a boat. She shouldn't be walking down the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) Then I hear her going to someone else's room. I think it was Tasia's. And I hear Tasia go, Jennifer, go back to your bed. Go back to <laughs> dead bed, asleep. Jennifer. I mean, I am dead asleep, by the way. That's amazing. Absolutely dead asleep. I, yeah. I do not remember. She had no recollection of it whatsoever. And then the next morning at breakfast, we were all dying. And I could just, I get, I get uncontrollable laughter sometimes. That's great. 
And I just could not stop laughing. I mean, <laughs> but it bonded us forever. Forever, 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 forever and ever. She said that I did this little shimmy move yeah. and then just turned that's, and walked out. And then hysterical. just just started walking down the hall. <laughs> I was like, damn, these girls are crazier than the rocker bitches I <laughs> yeah, know for right. years. <laughs> You're kidding. And mind you, we'd go to bed so early every single night. Every single night. We were, we were so well behaved, except my sleepwalking. <laughs> yes, we were so so well behaved. I that find that hard to believe. Joyce was well behaved. Well, she was. The only thing that she did that was I love her. Oh, that was wild was every every night she would come out and every day she'd come out in a different costume. She'd have like three costume changes a day. She's a full on cosplay girl. Oh my god. She had so many costumes. But you so had a lot of bathing suits too. Yeah, I mean, I, had I a literally lot of rolled too. on the trip with the carry-on. That's she it. did. Everybody Amazing. else. Joyce had more luggage than anybody, but everybody else had at least checked bags. I have a little bitty carry on. Yeah. You, I, you, you brought a bunch of luggage? No, I brought a carry on. Oh, also. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, you actually really, really good about yeah. traveling like well, Just let's yeah. not forget let's all my stuff is tiny. I was so. going to say your clothes, yeah. really, you could put them in the saddlebags on the, on the motorcycle and you're this fine. This one's. Okay, I have to tell you a quick little story about her. So when previous to going on the trip, we were all sent like an email with all this information, <laughs> things you can and can't do on the yacht and what you could bring and what you shouldn't and your bring, what you should bring. food and everything. Yeah. I remember you should be. Everything. She is a rule follower. Oh. She stuck to it like glue and brought everything that was recommended on the list. I mean, I literally went shopping for it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I might got to make sure I have. When is your birthday? Are you a Virgo? October 2nd. Oh, you're, so no, okay, I'm you're actually a Libra. super Libra, which is very unlibra like. No, that is so. But not I have Libra-like. learned over the years, like I am an overcompensator for oh, the airiness of Libra to kind of ground myself. So I do massive lists. So that list was great for me. I'm like, oh, check. Yeah, she oh, got everything check. on the list. Oh, everything. And the whole, at the end of the trip, we're trying to pack up and literally her and I are standing on top of her suitcase, <laughs> sitting on it, trying to zip it up. <laughs> we cannot get this thing closed. Oh my God. But we had some of the best conversations oh, and amazing. it was so much fun to completely meet someone new and get to know them. Right. It was so much fun, and we just we just connected. And actually, from that trip, we're all still so close. So close. Yeah. So, so, so close. I had known Tasia before, but that's the only one. And Joyce had been volunteering with us for mm-hmm. years, and mm-hmm. she and I had still never, we maybe met socially, but that was it. So I, too, was like, Sarah and Tasia, you and Joyce are brand new. And I had met we Joyce. We could not be more different. That's what's so yes, funny. Yes, all of us. It's like, we're all so Sarah different. That. That's fantastic. Yeah. We're all completely different from one another. It's so funny. Um, but I found out afterwards that I actually did meet Joyce before the trip. I had been to dinner with Joyce, Etty, and Perry, and... Billy Corgan? Billy Corgan. We had all been to dinner one night. Etty had put together this like um, little event and we all went to dinner and I was, and I have a picture with all of us, with me and Joyce and everybody. I sent it to her after the trip. I go, oh my God, Joyce, it just dawned on me. We have met before. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I have the worst memory. So it's, I forget everything these days, but anyways, so this woman is... Oh my God, the stuff that you do is so incredible and so inspiring. And every time I go to 
any of your salons, your gorgeous heaven event, and I hear you speak, you are just, you're like an angel here on earth. It's crazy. You're just such a good person. And an, an angel who walks naked down hallways and does <laughs> shimmies in her sleep. That's the kind of angel I want. something, right? <laughs> Those are the kind of angels everybody needs, no? I mean, tell everybody a little bit about what it is that you do. I so, mean, by the way, people that have been listening to this show over the years know all about you because... I, we, Barb and I talk about you all the time. Absolutely. So, <laughs> well, y'all are the best. I mean, I'm so grateful for both of you. Like, uh, you bring Barb into my like. It's just so wonderful how like attracts like, and people come into your life, and then they bring wonderful people like oh, you. Dan- and it's like Daniela it's just, shared. I always say to her, I'm so grateful to you for sharing all your wonderful people with me. But that, but that's the thing. It's like she's just a magnet, and it's the sharing and introducing. And Agreed. I do believe that part of the magic of the art of Elysium is that exact thing. There was never intention with this originally to start a nonprofit at all. It was strictly we're going to go in and volunteer. We're going to take artists in. I um, had a dear friend who was diagnosed with leukemia our senior year of high school. We found a bone marrow match, and he went into what we believe was full remission. And after I graduated college, he was still in college because of having gone through that that experience, he relapsed. And Uh his girlfriend is, is my childhood best friend, and she is the most loving, full of grace, giving, kind, selfless human being you could ever meet. And she contacted me. I was in LA and she's like, you should probably come home. And whenever I went home, he had aged significantly in his looks and lost a lot of weight. And I didn't really know what to do except try to be funny or talk about anything else. I tried to be almost bigger than life because I didn't want to acknowledge what was happening right right in front of us. And we decided that year to go to Memphis for New Year's, thinking that it would be kind of his last New mm-hmm. Year's, and that would have been December of 96 going into January of 97. Yes, that's correct. 97. And on that journey to uh, Memphis, he shared the story about a little boy that he had shared a room with at Vanderbilt, who was going through chemo as well, and how this child was left unattended for a lot of his treatment, not because his parents weren't loving, but because they had to work and they had other children and they were working to pay medical bills. And he was just like, don't pity me. If you want to do something for somebody, do something for those kids. Mm. And that was really it. It Mm -hmm. was laid on my heart. And I had just graduated film school and had moved out here. And I got together 23 friends and we went around a table and I took little notes and it was like, I write, I do music, I paint, and I wrote down what everybody could do, and I just marched into Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and I was like, I've got 23 volunteers, and we want to come in and start volunteering. They're like, yeah, that's not how it works. You've got to go through volunteer training. I can't remember. It was like 200 hours a year. There was a huge commitment of time, and I was like, these are working artists who are you know, struggling in the beginning of their career. Mm-hmm. They can't commit to that. So I proposed to the hospital, what if I go through your volunteer training program, I will commit to the hours and I will bring these people in every Thursday from noon to six and every hour on the hour, there'll be a different artist who comes in. So that's what we agreed to. 
no intention of starting a charity. I was here to pursue writing and directing. That is what my path was coming you to LA. You were here in California from... Here in, Emer- I went to Emerson. So mm-hmm. I'm Mississippi, graduated high school, went to college in Boston at Emerson, mm-hmm. and then moved to LA. Mm-hmm. And thought, you know, as I'm weird, David Lynch. I mean, yeah. literally, <laughs> I always say that I went to film school because mm-hmm. of David Lynch and mm-hmm. Wild at Heart. Mm. And in so many ways, Such a good and movie. I have had the great honor of telling him this directly, but he is ultimately kind of the reason even the art of Lee seems here, because I would have probably never left Mississippi had I not seen Wild at Heart to pursue film school. So I it's just this story. the connection of how everything works. But David Lynch is kind of my be all end all whenever it comes to visionaries and creatives. And anyway, I so we started going in. And the first day we went in, we were volunteering on the oncology unit at Children's, and we had musicians there. And after they did their first kind of round in the unit, um, someone came from the fifth floor and they said, is there any way that we could bring you down to see a little girl who has cystic fibrosis? I know that y'all are kind of focused on this unit, but this child is a foster child and she's been living here the majority of her life. And I went down and there was the most beautiful child you've ever seen. She looked, speaking of angels, she looked like an angel. Mm. And she got out of bed to come listen to the musicians and she roller skated down the hall on her IV poles as they sang. Oh my gosh. And she stole my heart right then and there. And that was like our very first day in the hospital. No nonprofit, just this is what we're going to do every week. So we kept doing it week after week. And it would be like a musician would come in, then a comedian would come in, and then you know a writer would come in. And it was very natural. The first mm-hmm. 23 people did it, and they went and told 23 more people. And that's where I say it's so much about sharing stories and bringing community together because we never recruited volunteers. We still haven't to this day. It's all been word of mouth and people reaching out saying, I want to volunteer. I love that. Yeah. And by December of 97, the hospital called me in, and here I am, no idea, walking into this boardroom with all of these people from the hospital and they say, we love what you're doing. We're very used to people coming in and saying they're going to do something and not following through. We want you to continue, but in order to do so, you need to start a nonprofit. It's a liability issue for you bringing everyone in. You've gone through the volunteer training process, but if an IV pole gets knocked over. If anything happens, mm. you are personally liable because they've not gone through the program. Right. And I had no idea what that meant. And so they actually referred me to an attorney who was my attorney to this day. And he was doing like real estate deals for the <laughs> hospital. And again, the magic of God and spirit and connection and all of it that's so beyond us is I go sit with him. And as we're talking, we discover we share a birthday. He laughs that I'm ending up in his office, and he says, I have no pro bono clients. I don't really know anything about the nonprofit sector, but I'll figure it out. And he goes, we need to start with a name. And I was like, oh, I hadn't come prepared for that. And he's like, well, we need to register something, and we need to write a mission statement. Like He was kind of walking me through the steps of it. And this girl who was in my life for a very brief moment in time, looking back over it, it's like one of those Polaroid snapshots in your life, Mm -hmm. but so significant. Her name was Vanessa. And I was working at Universal at the time, and I was in a cubicle. She was in a different part of the cubicle land at Universal, and she'd gone to a business meeting in Boston. And she came to my cubicle and she's like, I know this sounds really weird. And she's holding her hands like cusp like this. 
And she said, I was sitting in this restaurant in Boston, and I was overcome with the thought of Jennifer Howell. And it did sound a little weird. It was, you know, a little odd. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's so interesting. It's great. And she's like, I brought these to you, and I'm not exactly sure why. And she hands me a pack of matches from the restaurant she was sitting in, and the restaurant's name was Elysium. Mm. And on the Love the matchbook, it had phonetically spelled out Elysium, and it had the definition, and it said the inner sanctum of paradise from Greek mythology where heroes would go sit at the foot of God. And I had teared up. Chills. And I wow. said, Wow, I didn't even know this story. And I, I literally said to her, I said, I'm going to name my daughter that one day. It's the most beautiful word I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I had always wanted to name my daughter. I've dreamt of this little girl my entire life. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to name a little girl Heaven. And then she gives me this too. word Elysium. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what I'm going to name her. Like I knew it was going to be Heaven, but now it's going to be Elysium. Like it was this thing. And so as Matt says, they're saying you have to give me a word. I said Elysium. I said that's what these artists are doing by going in. And again, by the grace of God, I got to see from August of 97 to December of 97, the impact that the work had on the people we were serving, which is so funny. That is what most people just want to focus on, is like how we serve people. I would, August to December, even after that short period of time, I would argue that the people we serve are the angels on earth. And for us to be allowed to be of service to them, that transformation between the artist giving and the people in need receiving, that is the alchemy of what will change the world. Yeah, And I would walk out with one artist after the next and them telling Mm -hmm. me about their experience. And if artists create from that place of selfless giving, we could build a whole new world. We could build a whole new infrastructure. So that is what I've been blessed to see. And as I explained to Matt... To me, the artists are sitting at the foot of God because they create what was not here before. So they reach into the divine and they bring down something, Mm. some sort of inspired idea, some sort of inspired vision, and they then create from that space. That is what we give to those who are suffering. And in that moment of suffering, whatever it is that they're dealing with, they can transcend that moment and create something new. That is the alchemical process of it all. And Matt typed in Elysium. He's like, well, that name's taken. And we played with all of these different variations of Elysium until we got to the art of Elysium. And it's what would, if this little special sanctum in heaven exists, like what would that look like? What would that art look like? And so that is... Beautiful. The genesis wow, of it's Art so of beautiful. Elysium. I love that story. I never knew that story. Yeah, it is the matchbook. I mean, it it is the craziest thing in the world. So let's talk about what it is that Art of Elysium actually does. Because I know people always ask me, and I know they always ask you, and I know we talked about it, but it's really using the artist's art and time to work with people that are either underserved, sick. I will walk you through it to just kind of in chronological order. So, so many people just think we're a children's charity. Yeah. We are not. And the reason I always am so clear to say we're an artist charity is because everything we give to those in need is driven by the artists who come in to volunteer their time. Okay. The reason I am so 
clear about that is we started in the oncology unit from that very first visit. Mm-hmm. And that was just before anything. We were just going to work with the oncology people dealing with cancer in honor of Stephen. We were then called to come work with cystic fibrosis right. in a different division. So by the time we even were setting up the mission, we were working in all different divisions of Children's Hospital Los Angeles with our volunteers. And what we kept hearing back from the staff was, you bring in real artists. They're not doing popsicle workshops. They're bringing in real creativity. And they're like, it impacts, like the musicians would stop by the nurse's station and perform. Yeah, Yeah. They would play for doctors. They would play, like the artists would do murals on the wall. it, It is so much beyond just that direct interaction. So we started there. One of the patients we were seeing in the beginning days of the charity lived at a residential medical facility in the Valley called All Saints. And he would come in to Children's for treatment. He had play therapy with the doctor there, and he did not speak. They believed he was nonverbal, but we performed. She wanted us to have a musician in for all of their play sessions. Mm-hmm. And so she would watch him play, and he would take this one specific toy and put it up at the top of the tree. And she was like, that's him. Like, that's how he identifies with the world he's there. We were probably in there for seven, eight months, maybe a little bit longer. And the first thing he said was to the musicians, like, can you play a different song? I think I've already heard that one. <laughs> like, it's not my favorite. Like, he made this thing. So we basically were then asked if we could go see him on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. And then the child started speaking. And then it was like, I want to write a play. So we started doing play workshops out there. Yeah. And so in this facility, half of the facility is for children. The other half is for elders. So this is in the first few years of the charity, maybe even the second, maybe. We started going out there week after week, and then the facilitators of that facility said, is there any way you could do it for our elders? Like, it's so great you're doing Mm, it for the kids, but can you do it for the elders? So I call Matt, the attorney, and I'm like, can we? Like, we set it up as like we work with hospitalized youth is how we kind of put it. He was like, yeah. He's like, we just need to vote on the board that we can expand to elders. So then we started going into elders. So then at another hospital we were working at, a child came in, a very young child, and we find out that this child is on the street with their parents. They were homeless. And so they were staying at a shelter downtown, and the parents were like, do you ever do anything at shelters? shelters? Never had it even dawned on me, children this young being on the streets. Mm -hmm. So then we were asked to go into homeless shelters, and so I was like, can we expand to that? And it's the same mission of using artists for these various areas of need. So we currently work with hospitalized youth, inner city youth, elder care facilities. We do some prison reintegration programs. Mm -hmm. We work with veterans. The idea is that the Art of Elysium is a hub for artists who want to give back directly through their own artistic expression. Yeah. We don't want to tell you what to do when you come in. We want you to come in with your own idea. We'll help you if you need to figure out what that is. But some people, this is where people get so confused about our mission. Let's say Gilby comes in. Gilby comes in and he performs for... A diabetic support group mm-hmm. at Children's, let's say that, because we do a lot of dialysis sure. program when children are getting dialysis. He might love that so much. That might be the only thing he ever plugs into as a volunteer. So his experience is, I play music at the dialysis support group at such and such hospital. 
Frankie could say, I want to do music, but I really want to do a songwriting workshop. And I don't want to work with children. I feel called to work with elders. Mm -hmm. So Frankie could go and do music with elders and say, you know what I want to do is I want to do a songwriting workshop, and then I want to take their song and record it for them. So I give them their own voice back. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a very different experience with the organization. And for so long, I would always apologize for it because people were, people still are so confused by what we do. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, the art of Elysium is an artist in and of itself. It is a creative being that exists by the creativity of everyone who mm-hmm. comes in contact with it. We don't try to control it. If we've had fashion designers who come in and <clears throat> we've done downtown LA where they brought in all of this fabric and they came up with this idea to make capes with the with the homeless population wow. so they could wear it around their neck but they would serve as blankets. Amazing. We do murals where we do um permanent mural installations well, and hospitals. I, I, I know also I've on some of the volunteering that I've done with Frankie and it was so much more and this is the reason why I wanted to have you on was it was so much more for us than it was for anybody else because we felt so rewarded, you know, and and some of it was, I think it was a school downtown that was putting on a fashion show that that me and a few other designers were uh, judging and helping out with, which was such a blast. And then another time, Frankie and I went to a school for children with special needs and we threw them a prom. The prom. You did the Loma's prom. is the prom. funnest thing ever. And I mean, just the reason I wanted to have you on is so many people, and especially like on our podcast, a lot of our listeners are at a certain age now where we might have a little bit of free time. Uh, we might be looking for more meaning and more like a mission. <laughs> and if you have free time, if you are an artist that, you know, wants to give back and, you know, and our, a lot of our listeners are musicians or in the music industry, we just thought it would be so cool to talk about what it is that you do, because if you want to get involved or if you're interested in spending some time with a community where you think you could be helpful or bring your art to it, or just have something a little bit more meaningful in your life that, you know, where you feel like you're making a little bit of a difference. Because I'll tell you, every single time we've done it, both Frankie and I walked away and went, that was more for us. It was so much fun. Well, and that's where it's, you know, some people get so upset about that statement, like whenever I say that. Mm -hmm. But you see it and people are changed. And it's like to be able to give to those in need Mm -hmm. is... A gift. Such a gift. <laughs> yeah, It absolutely. is such a gift. And if yeah. everyone looked for just a way to give every day to mm-hmm. someone who mm-hmm. is not as fortunate, that's yeah. how you change the world. Yeah. And that's where it's like, I, I look, sometimes like I leave some of these facilities and it, it is a lot. I mean, it's it a is lot. a lot. Yeah. And sometimes I leave and I'm like, does it exist when we walk away? Or were those all just angels? Was that some sort of angelic projection mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. us how to give mm-hmm. and be of service? And that, to me, it's, I mean, our biggest thing with the charity is constantly, what do you do? What do you do? And I was like, well, what do you do? Because let me tell you how you can engage with it. Because it's as broad as creation itself. And it is spiritual in a lot of ways. Because it is how do you dig into yourself and carve out your own 
creative connection. And I always say, whatever God people believe in or whatever entity they believe in, the one inarguable truth is we were all created. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever way you cut it, we're all here now. We were created by a creator somehow. So to create is to be in the mind of the creator, to like reach up and pull that down Mm -hmm. and share that with someone in need. Mm -hmm. It's transcendent. It is definitely alchemical. It is the process in which we build a new world together. Mm -hmm. And I do believe, I think a lot of the attacks on artists right now, be it the strikes, be it like just silencing artists thrown at them on stage is that the artists have always held the fundamental truths of civilizations and so i believe in artists more than anything in this world because if you if you go back to hitler what did he silence first the artistic community you shut those voices down I would 100% agree. And and it's funny because I think that they are just on a higher vibration than us. Just to, you know, I mean, sometimes my husband will write these incredible songs and he'll be like, I'm just like a radio antenna and it just comes and I don't even know where it comes from or how it comes. And I do think that they're on a little bit of a higher vibration and maybe they've made the veil a little bit yeah, thinner. The veil is thinner. I definitely, I 1000% agree with that. And it is to get that community because so many people look and they think of the artistic community as like what they see in tabloids. That's not artists. Like that is fame. Those Mm -hmm. are two very different things. And to have artists working from a selfless place and Wayne Dyer, who I was, I mean, he passed away, but still a huge fan of. He always says that ego is nothing more than edging God out. And so to bring artists in and serve with humility and grace through their own creative process, I don't think that there's anything better than that. No, it's amazing. And, you know, we have all of these like one shot Art of Elysium takes artists into communities of need. Like we have very simple like statements that Mm -hmm. people want to see because they want us to break our mission down so much. And I can't like we can do like here, like for a grant, we can just write, you know, this is what it is. But to me, the bigger mission of the art of Elysium has yet to even been to be realized because it is all about this alchemical process of creating in harmony Mm -hmm. and without ego. I think that that is the transformation that the world needs. And again, we probably miss out on a whole lot of funding and opportunities because it is a convoluted mission. I've had people so many times like, why don't you just say you take musicians here? And I'm like, well, we do that, (laughs) but that is one part of all of it. And so to look at each of us as our own creative hub And as you say, that antenna that artists so easily have, I think that we all have that. And I think we buried our own creativity so much. And this allows us to ignite it in others who need it the most. To like end of life, I'll be honest with you, it is, I did a death doula course during COVID because (laughs) dealing with the elders is one of the saddest things for me because of how we treat them in this country. Mm. Oh, it's so, it's horrible. You're so right. You know, I've been, that has been top of mind for me lately because I'm, I'm starting to deal with, you know, aging parents and my mom in particular, as she's aging and having, you know, medical issues and things are starting to happen. It's incredible how little help there is out there 
for elderly because my mom is at a point where she doesn't really understand everything the doctors are saying. And so they're just, you know, kind of dismissing her. Yeah, you have to be her advocate. I have to be her advocate. So I've had to take over all of my mom's medical stuff because, you know, she says to me, you know, I call the doctor, they don't call me back. You know, they tell me to go on this patient portal thing. I don't know how to use that, you know, and there's a lot to be said about that because right now we've moved into this age of like, everything is technology, everything. And that generation, the older generation does not know how to use it. And I mean, even I have at certain points had to like really <laughs> sit we there with call YouTube videos or call Frankie, who's <laughs> our kids, IT, <laughs> our IT specialist, <laughs> you know, and figure out how to do stuff. But it got me thinking, you know, I have to do all this for my mom. And it got me thinking like, my gosh, you know, what do people do who are elderly and they don't have children to help them or somebody to help them to read all this confusing information and, you know, just function. So it is, it's, it, it's elderly it's is very underserved in our It's country. so underserved and yeah. it is one of the most, of all the populations yeah. we work with, it's the most difficult for me because of seeing these people who've lived these incredible lives and are kind of forgotten. Forgotten. And they're they're or left. put in a home and, and no one ever even comes to see them. I used to volunteer at the Jewish Home for the Aged and um, I would go in there and there's elderly people that their families have put them into these homes and they they sit alone all day and no one comes to see them. So I would come there and paint their nails or play with them, you know, play games with them or just sit there and go through a magazine and look at fashions and drink tea with them. You know, just simple things that can enrich someone's day just for that moment in time, you know? And that that is it. And it's it's with, with that community in particular, like we have created different playwriting, like, what is your favorite memory? And then bring writers in to actually build around that. And so we've done one act plays. But like, what is your legacy project? What do you want to leave behind in the world? And so we're trying to do, we're trying to engage, you know, we let our artists do it however they want, but like we have ways to kind of plug in. And what's so interesting is I feel like within each of us, we have our own community Mm -hmm. that we feel drone to take care of. And so some people can't go in with the children because it's too heartbreaking for them to see children suffering. So going in with the elders is a lot easier for them. Uh, For me personally, like I feel most drawn and always have since a small child to prison because I feel like there's so much injustice in this world. And there are so many people who are in there who shouldn't be. And even if they've done horrific things and they're in there... God knows what life they led to lead them to that. So I've always felt very drawn to prison reform and Mm -hmm. taking artists into prisons, which is very difficult to do. Like we've been trying to go through this process to like really get inside as opposed to integration programs after prison. Do you know Wayne Kramer? I do. I have met Wayne. Yes, yes, yes. From the MC5? Yes. So Gilby was played with the MC5 for a while. No, I might be thinking of someone else. I'm thinking of someone else. There is a Wayne who I know who I thought you were talking about. Totally different Wayne. Okay, so Wayne Kramer. No, I don't think so. Wayne Kramer from the MC5. MC5 was a like revolutionary kind of punk rock group from the 70s. I don't know. They were in the 70s. They were a real revolutionary group. And they all somehow went to jail and got arrested for all kinds of stuff. 
And well, Gilby's played with the MC5 and became very good friends with Wayne. Wayne started a foundation called Jail Guitar Doors and where they take musicians into these jails and try to introduce music into some of these longtime, for lack of another word, prisoners and uh, or incarcerated people. And what we found is Gilby went with Wayne Kramer and with Tom Morello and Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction and Tom Morello, I think, from Rage. God, who else was on it? But there were so many people and they've been doing a lot of concerts for it. And then uh, also we ended up going into a prison and I went with, which was a whole other experience because, you know. They were like, Daniela, these men have not seen women in a long time. Do not. And to have you walking through, they're like, oh my gosh. Do not wear anything revealing. Do not wear perfume. We went into Sing Sing prison, which was really interesting. And it was really interesting to find out about a lot. You know, listen, there are a lot of bad people in this world. There are a lot of evil people in this world. But there are also people that were born into a bad system, were born into a, a bad situation that didn't stand a chance. And the only way they knew how to survive was through a life of crime. And, you know, an uneducated, bad guidance, no guidance. So I think that you should probably meet oh, I would love Wayne. To. That would be amazing. And, and his lovely wife and probably do something with them because that would be really cool. And it's funny because there, there's Gilby has this other organization that he works with that I told you briefly about when we were at lunch in Brazil that is part of this like viral cure organization and they have their their statement is find the others and i think that that is such a a great way of saying it because you have to find everyone else that is like-minded that wants to help you find the others and bring everybody into this to you know create this community that can serve so it's to be of service to the greater good. I think everybody yeah. is looking for meaning in life. I think yeah. everyone is. And I yeah. do think that even the most evil people in society, like if they were given the option to be validated through good work and knew what that felt like, I think it could change their entire heart. Mm. And that that's, you know, I mean, there are definitely some rare exceptions that I think yeah. might, might yeah. just be born bad. But yeah. uh, I think that those are very few and far between. I think that... If you can be of service to another being mm-hmm. and create a new reality for them, yeah, and help them through a circumstance, it empowers you to go out and be that light to someone else. And that is really it with the art of Elysium. I mean, it's yep. to go in and find what your calling is to be of service, plug artists into those areas. We have an incredible program team that is just Leslie Culp has been with me for 16 years and she's mm-hmm. the head of programs and she is she does a phenomenal job. Salt, salt, salt of the earth. Yeah. But we have a program team who trains all of our volunteers and they they communicate with the facilities we're in. So there is like there is guidance yeah. there. And our board, yeah, we were just, just going, thrown into a situation. We were just going yeah. through this the other day because, like, with our financials and stuff, we're like, you know, it's so funny. Like, as we were going through it, every single year since its inception, the board of directors have paid all administration costs outside of programs. And we've never really stated that because it just hadn't occurred wow. to us. Like, we were going through it, it was like, you know what? The board pays for everything except the program team yeah. and the program supplies. So, 
every dollar that comes in through events that we do or through individual donations goes directly to progress. I was going to ask you that. How do you auction the art? Like if an artist actually creates something or how are you getting this to run? Because unfortunately everything takes money. A hundred percent. So we have our art salons, which both of you have been to. All of the art in those salons and every single thing you see in those salons, by the way, have been donated. So those salons each year, pre-COVID, we're trying to get back to sponsors if anybody's listening. Right now, we had sponsors who came in about two hundred to 250000 sometimes more per year to underwrite all the activities in the art salon. Amazing. So that covered all overhead expenses and every everything there. But the Smegs in the kitchen, when Smeg came in, they gave us a $50,000 donation and did the kitchens. Amazing. Restoration hardware, I can't remember, all in, it was like hundred dollars or $150,000 that they gave us. And then they ate the where you eat dinner in the salons, all of that's restoration hardware for free. Incredible. They sent their designers down to do it. So we do that. We have events where we do auction some of them sometimes. (laughs) We try to build all of our fundraising activities on our artists as well. So we try to make everything full circle. Mm -hmm. So Heaven, our largest event of the year, we select a visionary to conceptualize their idea of heaven. So the entire evening is from where the venue is to the music acts, to the food, everything is dictated by their vision of heaven. Wow, that's incredible. And Mm -hmm. that is to show you can build heaven on earth. And that is what I feel like the bigger narrative of the art of Elysium is. If we we really want to build this together, we can create it and build it together. That's amazing. By helping Mm -hmm. the least amongst us first and bringing them up in whatever ways we possibly can. We can create it together. So that is heaven, and then we have Pieces of Heaven, which is our annual art auction, and that is where we do an auction. Christy Sotheby's talking about another partner this year, but like we've always had an auction house who's partnered with us on that particular event, and then that's kind of a larger auction where pieces get donated and all of that comes into the charity. We have Parody, which has historically been done in Cannes, but it's kind of the international version of heaven. We've done it in Berlin and Venice as well for the film festivals. But everything we do is really how do you build heaven on earth? And what does that heaven look like to you? And it's a conversation so many people get like weird about because like, I don't know if I believe in heaven. It's religion. I don't know. And it's, it has nothing to do with that. Like it is, it is a conversation. And as I always fall back to, no matter what my own beliefs are, I do believe that the act of creation is inherent with the fact that we're just here, is something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love that. Zach and I have a charitable foundation through St. Jude's Children's Hospital, which we started up as soon as he had his own band. And, you know, we've toured the hospital many times. He's done many events for them. He'll do a show usually every so often and donate all the proceeds. He's gone and and performed in Amy Grant's little music room that she's donated to the children. And it's incredible because that hospital is $52 million a day to run. It's all pro bono. Yeah. You don't have, you just have to have one of the diseases that they treat to be part of St. Jude's or to go in as if your child is sick, anyone could go there and don't have to pay a dime. It's amazing. And 
this is like so near and dear to my heart more than I mean, I'm like ready to ask you. I'd love to work for you. You know, sign me up. I'll take you. you I'll know? take you right out of this room. I mean, that's, a, that's like my dream of all dreams is to just do charitable work and to yeah. be philanthropist. I mean, just, yeah, I live for it. Well, if you're listening and you have an art and you have time on your hands and you want to make a bit of a difference, then definitely check out Art of Elysium. million percent. Everything you did. It's incredible. Yeah. So, Jennifer. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's got that little smirk. She's got that smirk. I'm like, what's about to come out of your mouth now, Andy? No. The, she had the angel on her shoulder. Okay, so, a little devil. The reason why I call her my little cupcake niece is when we were on the on the yacht, we got these gifts. They gave us these gifts, these like white denim jackets. Yeah. And everyone had like patches. They had patches sewn onto them. And we all had like lightning bolts or this. like fun little, you know, things on it. Hers had little cupcakes and unicorns. Oh, that's great. <laughs> little kitty stuff. And she already reminded me of my little niece. She looked like facially. I kept telling her, you look like my little niece. And then Aww. she gets this little jacket and she starts walking around flossing with this little jacket on. <laughs> and cupcakes And I God. was like, oh my God, you are my little cupcake niece. <laughs> Hence where she became my auntie. There you yeah. go. My auntie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That was so funny. But okay, so girls, back to more important things. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> so Barb and I do this segment. Uh, it's called Barb's Bag of Tricks. And usually she has like some kind of product in there that's like amazing. So we have to, add, we like to ask our guests, what is the one product that you cannot live without? What is there something that you love? So it is. And so a dear friend of mine, Shiva Rose, has uh -huh. this amazing line of beauty products. She and does. It is, it is her Rose Brightening Serum. And Ooh. I love it. I, and I love everything she does. She's just such a, an organic kind of earth goddess queen. Like she's just so amazing. And I love Shiva so much. But this product she gave me years ago and I just love it. It's the one thing that I constantly wow. go back for more and more. And I more love of. a rose serum. Who doesn't you love that? Do. We, yeah. we will, sh we will have to share that and check that out. Yeah, we'll share it. So I have for your Barb's bag of tricks. Yes. Check it out, Barb. Yes. I have my own name bag. Ooh, oh, look how cute that it. is. <laughs> Lorraine Deanda. Shout out to Lorraine. She gave me that purse. Good but, job, Lorraine. Um, I picked up this um, product. It is, you know, I'm obsessed with highlighter mm -hmm. for your face because I feel like as we all start to age, you got to bring light back into the face. You got to make, you know, a little bit of glow, bring it back. So I found this product on revolve.com. Okay. It's a revolve clothing. It is a, it's called dibs and it is a highlighter stick. And this one is called desert Island. And I thought it would look amazing on you. So I picked it up for you. One for you, one for me. I know. I Check have a bunch out. of stuff in my bag for you as well. Ooh. Check it out, Barb. I think you'll really like it. Ooh, I love it already. I like this, the whole like solid stick. It's a stick delivery. and you just use it on your cheeks, on the bridge of your nose, on the tip of your nose, maybe oh, on your cupid's bow. Six and nine in it, which is phenomenal for you. Vitamin A, C and E. 
fabulous. Yeah. So I thought you should try it and see how you you like it. And then, okay, girls. So I got you guys something else, which... (laughs) I like this bag of tricks. This bag of tricks. I'm loving your bag of tricks. So... I got you girls some. Oh my Thank gosh! You. Some cookies <laughs> from our event this okay, weekend. Now that that is, is so These great. Great. I mean, okay, so check this out. So we had it was Gilby's birthday this last weekend. I love these. These are great. So it was Gilby's birthday last weekend, and my girlfriend Lisa had these cookies made. I sent her pictures of Gilby, one of him on his motorcycle and one of him playing guitar, and we had these cookies made for his birthday. Love it. Can I just tell you what an ordeal it was? Okay, so Gilby said to me, he turned 60 last year. I know. Crazy. He doesn't look it. Phenomenal birthday. He doesn't look it. Not at all. But he turned 60 last year. And last year we had his big hurrah where we all went on this big motorcycle trip out into the high desert and stayed at the Kayama Buckhorn. We took it over all the bikers and it was really fun. So this year he was like, look, I'm going to be 61. We had the big hurrah last year. We don't need to do a big deal this year. Let's just go out to dinner. So we did. Gilby and I and Frankie and her boyfriend, Frankie, we all went out to dinner. We went to Medieval Times and watched the... You know, so amazing. So good. <laughs> so good. So good. It was so much fun. It was so silly and fun, but we had a great time. And then his biker friends said to me, listen, we want to throw him a surprise party out in Los Olivos. And we're going to get a hotel in Solvang. And Brian Bowen Smith, who's this amazing, amazing photographer Brian's that we best. all know. Just the best. The best. He's God, he's such a sweet person. And Brian's doing a pop-up of all of his artwork in Los Olivos with his beautiful wife, Shay. And so let's all ride out there and have a surprise birthday party for Gilby. But don't tell him anything. Just get him to the art opening. Just tell him we're all going to the art opening. So I was like, oh God. So I said to Gilby, we're going to go this weekend to Los Olivos to go to Brian's art opening. And he was like, are you insane? Do you know there's a hurricane coming? And there's going to be a hurricane and, you know, I think we should just stay home and keep an eye on our house. And he gave me every, like, I hit every roadblock with him and trying to convince him to go out. I'm like, for fuck's sake, just go. We're going. We're going. I already made plans. I already booked a hotel. And he's like, why? I told you, let's just stay home. There's going to be a huge hurricane. Are you not watching the news? And I was like, well, we're going to go. We're going to beat the hurricane. We're going to go up Saturday. <laughs> we're going to do this. Uh, beat the hurricane. We're, we're going to beat the hurricane. And we're going to do the event. And we're just going to come back before the hurricane hits. So anyway, I convinced him. And we went. And Brian's event was amazing. Which, by the way, Always, we should, you should do a way. salon with Brian. Yes, we were in the And his tequila. Of- yeah. Yes. And his, te- oh my God, his tequila company, which is amazing that he does with uh, Eva Longoria, uh, Casa de Sol. Delicious tequila, by the way. And he had a really great wine there called Strange Wines. Have you ever? I've never they heard were of very it. good. They had a really great rosé that they were serving. It was so refreshing because... <laughs> I sound so ab fab right now, but <laughs> <laughs> so refreshing. So refreshing. So <laughs> <this private laughs> event. Who am I? Who am I? 
But we went to Solvang and we walked around and we had lunch and we took the dogs and we stayed at this like dog friendly hotel, which I think forever will be kicked out of because oh, no. crocodile went swimming in their pond like a real crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> he had a koi pond and he just Croc. jumped in and but. started swimming. I was like, oh no, we got to get him out of here. I didn't touch you. But it was, uh, we had a really good time. We went to Mavericks. Have you ever been to Mavericks in uh, Los Olivos? It's a cowboy bar. Listen, Jen, we got to get you out there. Get, get out with the cowboys. It was like a scene at an urban cowboy. I was oh, like yeah. waiting get for John Travolta to wa- walk through the doors. <laughs> but it, everybody was lying dancing and just, they have food there. You can have, you know, dinner there. You can just go to the bar and then they have line dancing and they have a band playing. Oh my God. It was total shenanigans and it was really fun, but I bring you girls cookies. I mean, I, I love the these are, shenanigan right? cookies. So, you know, Zach's not going to let us eat them. We're going to have to, he's going to have. Yeah, I feel a, like we need to little, frame them. I, know, I feel like gonna, I need to like, I need to like somehow freeze them no, and frame I, I them. I have so many of them, girls, you're going to take them all. So, you know, these are all yours. Yeah, I'm going to bring them to Zach. Oh my God. It was so much fun. We had a really good time. His friend, um, Michael and his wife, Susie, who are so lovely, put this whole birthday party together for him and went out and got him like this big cowboy cake and everything. It was so funny, but we had a really good time. It was fun. We didn't ride motorcycles. We actually drove because we took the dogs and we were worried about weather. And we drove home Sunday morning, right as it started to rain. Right. And, you know, thank goodness everything was fine. It was, you know, just a lot of rain. Um, and thank goodness it wasn't worse than, you know, as bad as everybody thought it was going to be. We all got lucky. And then we came home and then there was an earthquake. I was like, what is happening here? Is it going to start like, was, it's you know, like 20 or, miles from my house? Locusts are going to start coming down. Yeah, the I mean, world right now. What is it happening? It is just. Yeah, it's crazy. So Absolutely nuts. So if you are planning a trip or want to go to a party, do it all. Just do, do it. it. Just, Just do, do it. it. Do the it. world so ends. At least you did it. <laughs> like you're, you're staying true to your New Year's resolution. I you am, say right? You I want say to no have to experiences this year and you're yep. not saying no to anything and you're, you know, you want to just really live. And I commend you because you are staying true to your New Year's resolution. I am. Did you see I posted this video that was on Instagram? This lady uh, who is like in her 80s and she said, if you want to take a trip, do it now while you can. Take that trip. Go sightseeing. If you want to have a party, if you want to wear something, whatever you want to do, do it now before you can't. She's like, because when you're in your 80s, most of the time, you don't feel as good. And you don't want to take those trips because your body doesn't feel as great. And you don't want to walk around and go sightseeing and do all those things. So do it now. Don't delay. Don't hesitate. Whatever you you want to do, do it. Because, you know, you just never know. So just do it. So that's my thing. I say no that's to nothing. That's the gospel yeah. according to Daniela. Yep. I like that gospel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Oh, you have a party? Okay, let's go. <laughs> Why not? But yeah. So anyways, Jennifer, if people want to find out more about Art of Elysium, what is your website? The website is theartofelysium.org. Mm-hmm. And the same with, same Instagram, with Instagram and Facebook and all that? Yes. Okay. Everything is theartofelysium.org. Well, little Miss Cupcake niece, Jennifer Howell, thank you so much for coming and visiting us today. Thank you all so much for having me and inspiring everybody. 
I'm going to have my interview now. So we got to get off there. Okay. See if I could go work for Jennifer. Yeah. I love it. I'll hire you. You're hired. <laughs> Done. All right. Well, if you have any, um, hopefully you enjoyed this Honest AF episode. And if you have any show suggestions, subject matters that you want us to hit or products that you want us to review, hit us up on our socials. Honest AF Show is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Honestafshow.com is our website. You can email us there. Um, we have YouTube now. And we have on YouTube. Threads. We're everywhere, everybody. Y- yes, we are. So um, check us all out. And until next time, y'all take care. Bye. Bye, everybody. We obviously need to do a disclaimer here. So we want you to know we are not doctors or experts by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> We are just a couple of gals that are looking for magical products, procedures, and experiences. And in our quest, we will share our honest as fuck opinions with you. So please make sure before you try anything we talk about that you know your own restrictions and do so at your own risk. Do not blame us for any of your issues. We're just experimenting too.